We are on Yevamos Samach Zayin, Amir Aleph 67a, and we are beginning a new Mishnah. We are continuing with the topic of Truma, the special food that is given to the Kohen, and who else is allowed to eat Truma. And so we are continuing on in that discussion. Uh, in the last Mishnah, we discussed the case of Avde Melug and Avde Tombarzel, uh, when the wife of the Kohen brings into the marriage uh, slaves, and if the s- slaves are allowed to eat truma, if it's slaves of a Kohen, they're allowed to eat truma. And we also mentioned that the Avde Tzon Barzel uh, are the slaves that she brings in, non-Jewish slaves that she brings into the marriage, that ultimately becomes the husband, in essence. The husband has complete responsibility and uh, the impact and the value of the slaves uh, impact the husband. It's either a loss or a gain for the husband. Um, and that's with regards to the Avde Tzon Barzel. So our Mishnah will continue to discuss the Avde Tzon Barzel. However, however, what we are discussing is when the husband passes away. The husband passes away, uh, but there is an Uber. His wife is pregnant. Um, and so his wife is pregnant, and the discussion of the Gemara is, how does this impact whether or not the slaves, the non-Jewish slaves, are allowed to continue eating? Meaning the husband's non-Jewish slaves, are they allowed to continue eating? Truma, the, the special food that's given to the Kohen. Now, why would you say one way versus the other? So there are many different factors that are involved, as we will see in the Gemara. Many different factors are involved. Uh, but in essence, what it comes down to is that there's a there's a possibility that the fetus, this uber, this fetus, uh, inherits the slaves, these non-Jewish slaves, uh, because the law is is that it first goes to the children, and so therefore there's a question: Should does a fetus also inherit as a fetus when it's still in the womb? Uh, does it inherit the uh, estate of the father, and included within that would be the non-Jewish slaves. And if it is true uh, that it, as an uber, as a fetus, it inherits the uh, the non-Jewish slaves, so then the question ultimately becomes, well, if this uber, this fetus, the mother was really not a Kohen, it just, she married a Kohen, and that's why she was allowed to eat Shema, but she's really not a Kohen, so then until this fetus is born, once the fetus is born, so then he's certainly a Kohen. We go based on the father. But until the fetus is born, so maybe he's not viewed as a Kohen. He's not viewed as a Kohen until birth itself. Why? Perhaps, this is part of a bigger discussion, but perhaps some want to claim, not everybody, but some want to claim, uh, because the fetus is viewed as a limb of the mother, not as a separate entity, but as a limb of the mother, and even within those two options, it's not just uh, clearly one way versus the other, but there's a certain gray area in between. Um, but if it's viewed as more leaning towards it being a limb of the mother, so then until it's born, until this fetus is born, so then it wouldn't have the status of being a Kohen because his mother is not a Kohen. Uh, so perhaps you could give such an argument. If he's not a Kohen, and he also, all these assumptions, he also inherits uh, as an uber, as a fetus, he inherits from his father, and so therefore he inherits the non-Jewish slaves, so then they should not eat truma, because since he's not a Kohen until birth, 
these avadim, these non-Jewish slaves, they only eat truma, they are only allowed to eat truma, the special food that's given to the Kohen, if their master is a Kohen. But their master right now is a fetus, and this fetus cannot uh, cannot feed them, because he's not a Kohen yet. Even though at birth he'll become a Kohen, we'll go based on the father, and he becomes a Kohen. But as a fetus, is he a Kohen or is he not a Kohen? Very interesting discussions about the status of a fetus. Um, so these are just some of the many different uh, issues that come about through this uh, through this discussion. We'll, we'll see as we go through the Gemara, many more issues that come up. But let's start with the Mishnah. The Mishnah says as follows. Ba'as Yisrael shenises l'kohen. So you have a uh, non-kohen wife who gets married to a kohen. So the wife is certainly allowed to eat truma now. They're married. Regular marriage. No problems. Married to the kohen umes. And the husband passes away. Vehinichem Now she has other children. She does have other children, but she also has, she's also pregnant, so there's also a fetus. So she certainly is allowed to eat truma, because the law is that even after her husband passes away, her husband who's a coin passes away, she's allowed to continue eating truma as long as they have a, some form of a continuation of that marriage, i.e. through children, through having descendants who show that there's a continuation of that marriage. So since she already had children, she herself is allowed to eat truma, but we're not focusing on her and her slaves. Really, we are really focusing on her husband's slaves. Her husband's non-Jewish slaves. So the Mishnah says, The non-Jewish slaves of the, let's say, the Nechsei Tom Barzel, that which was transferred over to her husband, those non-Jewish slaves, they are not allowed to eat truma. Why are they not allowed to eat truma? Uh, because the Uber, the fetus also, uh, has a partial ownership together with the other siblings with the other brothers has partial ownership in the non-Jewish slaves and since he has partial ownership in the non-Jewish slaves so therefore he is not allowed uh, the slaves are not allowed to eat truma uh, why so Rubiosi this is all within the opinion of Rubiosi Rubiosi continues because as a fetus forget about slaves forget about the being the master and the owner of non-Jewish slaves but with regards to uh, let's say the fetus's mother. Let's say it's a case where this is the only child. So we say that the fetus really doesn't help at all when it comes to eating truma. If his mother was a Kohen uh, who married a non-Kohen, so the mother now can't eat truma when they're married. Let's say the husband passes away and she's pregnant. So we say, we say that no, she still can't eat truma because maybe she'll have a healthy baby. Uh, or we'll see. It's really uh, based on a drusha, based on a, a, an explanation of a verse as to why that is. But she also can't eat truma, even though she's she was born a Kohen, as the daughter of a Kohen. And the same thing is true in the opposite direction. Uh, if uh, a non-Kohen woman marries a Kohen, and then he passes away, and she's all she has left is a, she's pregnant with a fetus, so that fetus is also not yet viewed as allowing his own mother to eat truma. Uh, until he actually, until he's actually born, he will not allow his mother to eat uh, truma. So we see, says Rabbi we see from here that the fetus does not allow one to eat truma. Doesn't allow one to eat truma. So it also will not allow if if we have all the assumptions that he's able to acquire these from the estate of his father as a fetus, uh, and he has these non-Jewish. He's he's the master of these non-Jewish slaves, so they're not allowed to eat truma. That's what Rabbi says. Now the Chachamim argue on Rabbi Yossi, Amrulah, the Chachamim say, uh, 
we'll see in the Gemara exactly what the Chachamim, the majority, what they hold, but they say according to your logic, not that ne- not that they necessarily agree with the logic, but according to your logic, you were only giving a case of a non-Kohen wife marrying a Kohen and saying that if there's a fetus, so then the, the slaves can't uh, eat truma uh, because of the fetus. The status of the fetus is, is one who cannot feed uh, truma. So the Chachamim, the rabbis say, well, this is this should also be true if it's uh, the wife was a Kohen at birth. She was the daughter of a Kohen who married a Kohen. Everybody's Kohanim. All the parents are Kohanim. The fetus, though, the whole point is that the fetus might not be a Kohen because until the fetus is born, or it might not have the ability to feed others, we'll see exactly uh, how the Gemara phrases it, but according to your, to your reasoning, Rubiosi, it really shouldn't work even if both parents were Kohanim. They are both born from the family of Kohanim, because it's the fetus now, the fetus shouldn't have the ability to allow his non-Jewish slaves to eat truma, to eat uh, from the special food for Kohanim. So while this uh, whole conversation is about whether or not the slaves, the non-Jewish slaves, could eat truma, really the underlying assumptions here reflect uh, a very important uh, concept with regards to how do we understand the status of a fetus, very very important uh, discussion. So let's see the Gemara. The Gemara now says as follows. Essentially, the Mishnah has this dispute between Rabiosi and the Chacham. Rabiosi says that if it's the if it's a non-Kohen wife marries a Kohen, so then the fetus, if the Kohen passes away, if the husband passes away, so then the non-Jewish slaves then mm-hmm. go to the fetus, um, and uh, they're not allowed to eat truma as a fetus. They, 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 he does not. He, he would not allow his non-Jewish slaves to eat uh, truma. So the Gemara now says as follows: Ibailu. The Gemara wants to know, time de Rabiosi. What is the reason for Rabiosi for this first opinion to say that the non-Jewish slaves cannot eat truma if there's a fetus? There are two different possibilities, two different ways of understanding Rabiosi and why he holds that the non-Jewish slaves of a fetus is why they're not allowed to eat truma. Option number one is that as a fetus. If your mother is a non-Kohen, happens to be they're allowed to eat truma because they married a Kohen, but in essence they're not and they're not really Kohanim. So maybe as a fetus, they're also uh, not Kohanim until you actually give birth, until she gives birth. So they're not viewed as Kohanim. Since they're not viewed as Kohanim, they're non-Jewish slaves are not allowed to eat truma. That's option number one, and perhaps that's within the position that holds that the fetus is like a limb of the mother. Its its status is based on the mother, even though once it's born, its status is based on the father. Very fascinating idea. The other option is based on what's referred to as Xeris HaKasav, based on uh, a way to expound upon the verse. And the verse says that once there are children, so then they allow their mother, perhaps here the non-Jewish slaves, to eat truma. But it says it's only when they are born. But when they're not born yet, as a fetus, they do not have that ability to allow others to eat truma. So it's really, it's not... It's not because they're not a Kohen. No, they are Kohanim. They still go based on their father as a fetus. But there's a special law that says that they only allow others to eat truma once they are born. Lamai nafkamina. The Gemara asks, what's the difference between reason number one and reason number two practically? The Gemara says, no, there's a big difference. With regards to the following case. With regards to the case of what was discussed in the Mishnah also. If the mother is a Kohen, 
the mother was born into the family of of Kohanim. So if if you if that's the case that a, a, a woman who was a Kohen from the family of Kohanim married a Kohen, her husband passes away, and now that she was she passed away, but he passed away, but she was pregnant, and the non-Jewish slaves he has a partial ownership in these non-Jewish slaves together with the other siblings. Uh, so if you take approach number one that it's like its status until it's born is based on the mother. Well, the mother's a Kohen. So the mother's a Kohen, so he's a Kohen. So that means the non-Jewish slaves should be able to eat truma, the special food for Kohanim. But if you take a brush number two, that there's just a special rule that as a fetus, you're not allowed to allow others to eat, whether it's your mother or whether it's non-Jewish slaves. So then you wouldn't be allowed to. You wouldn't, even if even if both parents were Kohanim, uh, as a fetus, you're not, you, you would not. There's a special rule that your non-Jewish slaves cannot eat truma. So there's a big difference between the two. So what's so what what is the logic? What is the reasoning behind your biosi? So the Gemara gives two different. It's machlokas. It's a dispute. I'm a rabbi. time in the biosi because I over mezarazar who rabbi says that the logic, the reason for biosi, is in fact that as a fetus, its status goes based on the mother. It goes based on the mother, even though once it's born. Whether it's a coin or not, it's based on the father. As a fetus, it's based on the mother because perhaps it's like a limb of the mother. Perhaps uh, that's opinion number one. Opinion number two: Rav Yosef Omer. Rav Yosef says no. You It's based on this uh, way. Really, he is a coin as a fetus. It's just there's a special ruling uh, based on how we expound upon the verse that says that only once this baby is born, then he can allow others to eat. But until then, he can't. So it's a dispute between Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef. What is the logic of Rabbi Yosef? So the Gemara now asks, Mesevet. The Gemara asks, well, we have the following dialogue, following conversation between the Chachamim and Rabbi Yosef uh, in Abraisa, and it seems to prove one way versus the other. Why? Amrulo, the Chacham say the Rabbi Yosef to Rabbi Yosef. Essentially what the Chachamim say in our Mishnah if what you're saying is correct for a Bas Yisrael, for a non-Kohen wife to a Kohen, it should also be true from a Kohen to a Kohen. And what is Rabbi Yossi, meaning if the, both parents are Kohanim, but if, if the husband passed away, but there's still a fetus, so then that fetus also shouldn't allow its non-Jewish slaves to eat truma. It shouldn't make a difference whether the mother was born as a non-Kohen or born as, as a Kohen. Even if it's born as a Kohen, the fetus should still not allow... Uh, the non-Jewish slaves to eat truma because he's not born yet. So what does Rabbi Yossi say, say back? Rabbi Yossi says, Amalahem, zu shamati shamati. He says, no, I heard, says Rabbi Yossi, I heard that when the mother is Israel, so then, and the husband passed away, the husband who's a coin who passed away, but she's pregnant. So then in that case, the fetus cannot uh, allow his non-Jewish slaves that he inherited to eat truma. However, if the mother's a coin, so then he does. Uh, so that seems to prove asks uh, he, they they could eat truma. So the Gemara says, yeah, I understand if you take the approach that uh, the logic behind your BOC is that the status of the fetus is based on the mother. So if the mother is a non-Kohen, so then the fetus is a non-Kohen. Even though once it's born, it will become a Kohen. It goes based on the father. But as a fetus, it's a non-Kohen. Then the non-Jewish slaves can't eat. But if the, but if the mother is a Kohen was born... Uh, before even before she married a Kohen, she was born into a family of Kohanim. Uh, so then the fetus will certainly have the status of a Kohen and could feed uh, the non-Jewish slaves truma, which is what Rabbi Yossi said. 
But if you take the second approach, uh, that it's not based on the fact that the fetus has the status of the mother. No, it's based on a special ruling that until it's, the fetus is born, so then it cannot allow non-Jewish slaves to eat truma, even if he's a Kohen, even though even if he has the status of a Kohen, it's just a rule. And so then we shouldn't differentiate whether or not the mother is was born as a non-Kohen or born as a Kohen. It shouldn't make a difference. It's just a rule. Uh, but we we know, we see, Rav Yossi does hold that there's a difference. So Kasha, this is really a very strong question. This question seems to imply that the logic behind Rav Yossi is that the fetus has the, uh, attains the status of the mother, even though once it's born, it has the status of the father. But as a fetus, it has the status of a mother. Fascinating idea. Okay, we'll see a few more lines of the Gemara. The Gemara now says, Amr Behuda, Amr Shmuel. Shmuel now comes along, and he says as follows. He says, Zudivari Everything we've been saying until now is Rubiosi. Why? Why is Rubiosi? We're going to see that Shmuel is going to quote another opinion. In order to have this entire conversation, as we pointed out in our introduction, you have to hold that a fetus has the ability to inherit the estate as a fetus. And that's the opinion of Rubiosi. Shmuel says, but others argue, So Shmuel now says that the Chachamim argue, why do the Chachamim argue? The majority argues because they are of the opinion that the Uber, the fetus, cannot inherit, doesn't have the ability to inherit. He's not a living being to the degree that he has the ability to inherit from his father's estate. And so the, the whole question doesn't exist. Rabbi Yossi was under the assumption that, that the uber, that the fetus could inherit. But it's not true. Really, it goes to the other brothers or to somebody else who's a Kohen. And so therefore, they certainly, now then the, the non-Jewish slaves could eat. But it doesn't, uh, never gets transferred to the fetus. Uh, so the Moreno asks, it sounds like from Shmuel that he says, oh, that's Rabbi Yossi, but I, the, the majority disagrees and I hold like the majority. That's what it sounds like. So the Moreno says, Zuvilo Svirle. Is this really true? He says, Shmuel elsewhere said that he, he told Rav Chana from Baghdad to go and get 10 people. And I want to make a statement in public. Get 10 people and I'm going to announce that a fetus does have the ability to acquire and seemingly also to inherit. That really he does. So it seems to be that he does hold like Rubiosi. So the Gemara says, no. Ella really, he quotes Rubiosi, he quotes the others, the majority that argue in Rubiosi, but he in the end, Shmuel himself, does hold like Rubiosi. He holds like Rubiosi uh, that uh, a fetus could inherit and could acquire as a fetus. Why did Shmuel tell this to us? Just to tell us to plead your and allege Rubiosi. To tell us that the majority argues with Rubiosi. But really, Shmuel himself holds like Rubiosi really does hold like Rubiosi. Let's see a few more lines. So where it says, Umi pligi, uh, is it really true that the majority argues with Rubiosi with regards to this point about whether or not the fetus could uh, inherit from the father's estate? Uh, Shmaya and Avtalio, the leaders, these are the leaders of the Chachamim, it seems like they agree to Rubiosi that, that the fetus could inherit. So why do we say that the Chachamim, the, the, uh, the leaders, disagree with Rabbi Yossi? It seems to be that they agree. So there's a fascinating line here. And with this, we'll conclude. Amar Vashi, Rabbi says, Mi katani ve'kiblu, v'hodu lo katani, de'mestab says, 
it doesn't say that Shmaya and Avtalion, the, the leaders of their generation, um, accepted Rabiosi. They say that we agree. We agree that the the logic behind Rabiosi makes a lot of sense. If we were to pick, if we the leaders were to pick what makes sense, we would say like Rabiosi. We should say like Rabiosi that a fetus could, um, could in fact uh, inherit from uh, from his or her father. Really, that would work. It's just it says that even though logically it makes sense, but we and and we agree that logically it makes sense, but but we have a different different tradition. Our tradition tells us not like Rabiosi to say that we argue on Rabiosi, and in fact, uh, the fetus cannot inherit. Uh, and based on our tradition, we follow our tradition. So the majority disagrees uh, with Rubiosi. It's just, uh, it's fascinating idea, this last line. The Ritva, one of the classic commentators, uh, points this out, that what comes out is that even if you think a certain way, you think logically one way makes sense, but you know that the tradition is otherwise, our Gemara here is telling us we follow the tradition. You have to follow the tradition, what what uh, the ruling has been until now, even if logically it doesn't make sense to you. But it doesn't make a difference. You say, you know what? Uh, you, you have the humility to understand that your understanding is limited and you have to follow uh, what's been, fo- been followed for many generations. And that, even if you don't understand it, that is the more appropriate way of approaching things, and that's what these leaders did. They they agreed with Rabiosi in principle, in in terms of logically, and they understood the position of Rabiosi. But they said, you know what? We have to practically disagree with them with Rabiosi, because we know that the tradition is otherwise. Very interesting idea. So we have this dispute here as to whether or not the fetus has the ability to uh, inherit from the father's estate. A fascinating uh, discussion in and of itself. But we also had earlier a whole discussion as to whether or not. His non, if he if he is is able to acquire, so if he acquires and inherits the non-Jewish slaves, are they able to eat truma? Is a fetus a coin or not a coin? The father's a coin. Um, the mother, uh, the the mother is not a coin, or maybe might even be a coin. Uh, could the fetus uh, be viewed as a coin and also allow his non-Jewish slaves to eat truma? Which is a fascinating discussion that we were just talking about. We'll continue with this discussion in the next recording.